Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. So we're going to have a little video this morning to start off with, and then I'm going to share um, off the back of that. And um, exactly the same thing is happening this morning in Market Harbour as well, and Christopher Alton is sharing there. So we're tag teaming this morning. And uh, so David's going to kick things off, introducing this mini-series called His House, Our Home, which is what we'll be focusing on between now and Christmas, and it's about looking again at our foundations. So we just felt as elders and as ministries that would be a really good place for us to spend time over the next few weeks together. So um, David, it was not in a darkened room at the time. Our projector just needs to be a bit brighter, but um, we just realized that to buy buy a new projector, we might need to, um, I don't know, sell some stuff. But yeah, but we'll work it out. God is good. He's our provider. But David is up there on the screen. If you can't see him, just do that. Get your torches out, shine it at the screen, I might help it. And then I'll jump up after David has shared. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to talk about two things, church and the word. I'm going to try and spend about 10 minutes on each, and then we'll have another question at the end. So you okay for 20 minutes-ish? I'm going to share on those two things, church and the word, and spending less time on these two in particular because we talk about these things a lot. Um, and then we'll have another question to discuss at the end for about 10 minutes with a bit of feedback as well. Is that Okay. I'm going to do some stretches. Everybody all right? Yeah, we're okay. So we're going to start with the church. And David's already done a fantastic job of presenting to us the church. You know, Jesus only talks about the church twice, once in Matthew 16, once in Matthew 18. But what he does make clear is the church are those who it will be built on the revelation of who Jesus is, that he's the Lord and the Messiah. That revelation is the foundation that the church is built on. The church is here to bind and to loose. It's to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. And the church is here as the kingdom community that when two or three are gathered, Jesus is with us. And he talks about that. And, and essentially, therefore, God, uh, it, the church is God's redeemed people, chosen people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Okay, it's a universal church and it's expressed locally. And the word church in the, in the Greek, in the original, is the word ecclesia and it just means called out. So if I said to Carl, Carl, come out here, you don't have to, it's okay. But Carl would have been called out, intentionally named and called and brought out. That's what we are. We're a chosen people. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10 says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out, there it is, called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. You found your people. And now that we've we've received mercy because of the work of Christ. And of course, the church is universal. This this is an expression of the church, but the church was born in Acts 2. That was the birth of the church when Jesus ascended to heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit 10 days later. And all of a sudden, the people were filled with the Spirit. Peter preaches the gospel. They were saved and added to what? The church. And ever since then, the church has continued to grow. So there's a universal church that's global and goes throughout time. We understand that. And that will reveal the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God to the kingdoms and rulers in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 3.10. Basically, Paul is saying the church is God's portfolio. It presents his wisdom. It presents his Clarity, it presents his grace, his majesty, and his greatness, and his awesomeness, and his all-prevailing sovereignty, and, precedent, the, the, uh, and providence, sorry. This is the church. We're here to reveal God's multifaceted, surround sound, 4K plus wisdom to the earth. It's probably 8K now, isn't it? Something. 
Uh, but then that is to be expressed locally. That's why Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, I'm writing to the church in Corinth, or I'm writing to the church that meets in this home. And so the, there's an expression of the church within the universal church that has to be outworked locally, and that's what Living Rock Church is an example of. But also then, we don't just meet in large gatherings, we meet from house to house. And I love that description David used last week of chapels, of our homes being little churches, baby churches, little cute mini churches all over the, 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 the countryside where people can find Jesus and meet him through us as they come through our doors. And so the, the church is a kingdom community. We're called out. That's our identity now. We have a new, you, you belong to a new race. We're new creations because of Christ Jesus. I'm Welsh, you might be English. You might be South African, you might be a New Zealander, and I might feel very bad at the moment about the rugby results, but there's something that trumps all of that. It's that we're part of the church, we're part of God's holy nation, his chosen people, that we're called out, and then that we're called together. We're brought to express unity together, and then we are sent out to proclaim his excellencies. That word is ex anglion, which is the, only used once in the Bible, and it means this, to be the message. The church is the message, and you as part of the church are part of that message, that God is good, that he saves, he heals, he redeems, he restores, he has a plan and a purpose. It's being outworked in the earth. And therefore, there are three things the church is here to do. Reach up, reach in, reach out. It's like the Macarena. Can you do it with me just to kind of get our arms moving? But don't smack the person next to you. Don't use this as an excuse to have a little go at your spouse, okay? But we're here to reach up, to love God, to worship him, to honor him, to lift Jesus up and hold his name up and raise him up. That's what we're here to do, to love God, to reach up. Reach in. Give yourself a hug. You're worth it. But we're here to look after one another and care for one another and serve one another and honour one another out of reverence for Christ because we're saved by the same precious blood. But it's too good to keep to ourselves. And so we've got to carefully reach out. (laughs) Carefully reach out. (laughs) To a world that we have been sent to reach. All authority has been given to me, therefore go into all the nations, discipling them. That's the, the, the nature and the mission of the church. That we are the church that is the, cov- the covenant kingdom community of Jesus Christ. And there are, are five pictures I quickly want to go through. They're up on the screen. You've got a temple, you've got a body, you've got a family, you've got a bride, and you've got somebody who's a, a part of the army. These five pictures help us to understand a bit more about the church. David has already referenced and I'm not going to spend long on each one. But each one carries something to help us get our heads around the relationship between the church and Christ. And the first one in Ephesians 2.20, David's already read it, is that the church is the temple of God. That we are stones being joined together, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And who is the chief cornerstone? Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. He sets the line for everything. He's the standard. He's the foundation. He's the rock on which everything else is built and aligned with. Christ and the church. Why? So that God can fill the church with his presence to represent the glory and the presence of God. There's something about the presence of God that we experience when we gather that we can't experience when we don't gather. That's why meeting together is so important. That's why we missed it so much. But we are here as the house of God. This building is an old factory that might well come and go, but the church that meets in here, that's where God will presence himself. That's where Bethel is. That's the house of God. It's his people. 
Secondly, we're a family. And I'm really glad that that's kind of already come through the things that people have described. But it says this in Ephesians 3, 6. This is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by who? God's children. That's family language. We are God's children, part of the same body. We enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. And here's the great news. That's our identity now. You're part of the family of God. I know for Rich Pemberton in conversation, that has meant so much to you, being part of the family of God. That's where we find our identity. And you know, this really clashes with, 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 with culture, particularly in the West, of individualism. It's about me searching for the hero inside myself, pursuing all of my dreams, becoming all that I can be. But actually, you know what? We're here to be part of a family. There's something far bigger than just me. And, it, and, it, and it, I'm not even talking about God, I'm talking about his family. I'm here to represent something that's bigger than myself, his family, this kingdom community. We're part of something far bigger than just ourselves and our dreams and our aspirations. But actually what I do is tied in with what we're doing together. Isn't that wonderful? And Jesus is the first among all brothers to bring us in, not just legally, but then to make us like him. It says in Romans 8, 29. We're also part of his body. We're not just a house, we're not just a family, but we're the body of Christ. And Ephesians 4 talks a lot about that. And it says that the gifts of Christ were given to the church to allow the, the body to be built up so that we can speak the truth in love and grow in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Here's the wonderful truth. I cannot do this without you. I can't do it without you. If, if, you don't, if you're not working with me, I'm missing part of my, part of the body is missing. Is there any part of you, if I was to say to you now, I will remove a certain part of your body, is there any part you think, yeah, actually, I'd be happy for you to take this bit? Anyone? Every part, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going through my whole life, I'm thinking, no, I want to keep it all, thank you very much. <laughs> the body, we're united together, we need one another. Every part is important, every part is significant. And we're all being brought closer together for unity, every supporting ligament. I used to look at anatomy tables when I trained to be a physiotherapist and you see how everything's interconnected. Every ligament that you saw drawn beautifully in a diagram, you realize actually blends with the, the capsule of the joint and with tendons and with the, 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 the stuff, the, the fascia around the bones. It's been a while since I've done it, so I've lost the lingo. <laughs> but you realize everything is, is interconnected and intertwined and needs one another. Very difficult to separate. And, and we're to become mature in Christ, just like Jesus, his body here on the earth. And here's the fourth one, we're his bride. Husbands. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus has given himself up for a bride so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus is coming back for a gorgeous bride. Stunning. The most beautiful bride that's ever been seen. Why? Because he's going to make the most glorious groom has ever turned up. That we're a beautiful bride. Jesus is the groom and he's preparing us. He's washing us with the word. He's given his life for us already and he loves us. 
He loves his church. Therefore, I have to love his church. You have to love his church. Is it spotty and wrinkly at the times? At the moment. But guess what? We're being perfected. We're being made more and more beautiful. And we're an army. We're an army. Be strong in the Lord, Ephesians 6. And in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And who is the enemy? Richard Dawkins. Who's the enemy? Boris Johnson. No. None of these are the enemy. The enemy is spiritual forces at work, behind the scenes, influencing others. We're here to love people no matter what they say or might do. We love them because God loves them. But there's an enemy that we are to stand against. And here's the thing. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Jesus has won the victory. What we're dealing with is called pockets of resistance because the war has been won. Jesus won it on the cross. His enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. And we're in the process of bringing that to bear in the earth. Jesus is the commander-in-chief. There's no question about the outcome. Just read Revelation 19. The rider on the white horse. Trust me, he wins. And so do we as his army. The body of Christ on the earth. Acts 10.38, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. That's the church. That's the nature and the mission of the church. God has anointed his church with the Holy Spirit and power so that his church can go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God is with them. God is with you. God is with me. God is with his church. We're here to extend his kingdom. We are to restore his world and we are to reveal his glory and nothing less. Isn't that amazing? And we're getting everything ready for his glorious return. That's the church. Who knew? Glorious. And then the word. I'm going to spend 10 minutes on the word and then got a question for you. And lots of images, descriptions of the word being a mirror, a hammer, milk, bread, a lamp, a plumb line, uh, a, a sword. And we'll pick up particularly the plumb line and the sword uh, pictures in a bit. But there's four things I'd like to say about the word. And, and the first is it's God breathed. Could you just turn in your Bibles? I'm going to get you to look up some of these verses because I realize I'm rattling through them. But 2 Timothy 3, please, 16 and 17. We're going to use the word to talk about the word. I think that seems appropriate. Um, My versions that I'll be reading might be different to yours because we know there are different translations, and that's fine. Some are word-for-word translations. They're very accurate to the original text. And some are thought-for-thought translations. They tend to take sentences and and phrases and then translate those instead of word-for-word. And they tend to be easier to read. And a New Living Translation would be more of a thought-for-thought. And a New American Standard would be more of a word-for-word. And we need both because they're very helpful for us to understand what the word is because it's so rich. But 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, Some scripture... Oh, I'm so glad you checked. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be partially blessed, may be occasionally nudged when they decide to flick around and have a little look 
dip into Psalms because it's easy to read. No. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's the thing about the Word of God is it's the revelation of God. God breathed, inspired, God revealing who he is, revealing his heart and revealing his plan. It says in in Hebrews 1 and 2 that God has spoken in many ways through the prophets at different times, but he's revealed himself most fully through Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of the word. That's why John says he's, he's the logos. He's the reason why. He's the heart of God represented to us. He fulfills the word. He fulfills the prophets. He he upheld the law. And he reveals God's heart perfectly and talks about God's plan perfectly. And the fulfillment of God's plan comes through Jesus Christ. But the word of God is there to equip us and train us and instruct us and help us. And it's God's self-revelation. If you want to know what God's like, read his book. It's the best way to know what God is like is to read the book. And here's the wonderful thing. My dad talked about this a few weeks ago. The, the author has come to companion with us to help us to understand what he has already inspired. Isn't that amazing? Yes. You're reading Chaucer. It'd be nice if Chaucer sat next to you, although you probably still wouldn't understand him. <laughs> or Shakespeare sat with you to tell you exactly what he meant about this little bit of, pro, bit of poetry. Then, you know, the Holy Spirit is here to help us to understand. The, the one who's inspired inspires us to understand it inspired men to write things that reveal God's heart perfectly. So it's inspired, it's God's breath. Secondly, it's perfect. The NIV version, Psalm 1830, this might be a bit different in in different versions, but this expresses it beautifully in the NIV. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. It's amazing. The Bible was written over about 1,600 years 1,600 years from the first writer, probably Moses, to the last writer, probably John. Written over three continents by 40 different contributors. Now you try and pull a piece of work together where there's no technology, no interaction between 40 authors over three continents over 1,500 years and get something that is so amazingly joined together and flows from start to finish as the Bible. You just couldn't do it. You couldn't do it with with one person on one continent over two years. You just couldn't come, come up with it. It's just impossible. And here's the thing about the Bible. It is perfect. God has overseen how we've received his word. The Bible is the most scrutinized and analyzed book on the planet, and it has been for centuries. But it stands up. Do you know God has overseen it from the moment that he spoke it to the, what's in your hands today? Isn't that amazing? If you want to know about ancient books and textual criticism, the Bible doesn't just stand up. It towers over every other piece of literature in history. It is accurate. The Dead Sea Scrolls discovered in 1941 prove the accuracy of the Old Testament. The New Testament is so well um, copied in multiple manuscripts and the time from the events happening to the first copies or the first manuscripts is so close that it just, it just outstrips every other book on the planet. You can trust that this Bible is perfect. It is flawless. And it's the truth. Inspired, it's perfect, it's the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus says this in the English Standard Version, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Now this is a biggie in a postmodern society where all truth is relative. Your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth. 
None of us are right. None of us really have it. But hey, it's, it's all relative. Every idea is, is as valid as any other. And in fact, every idea is as invalid as every other. Um, and there are no absolutes, which is in itself an absolute statement, which I just can't get my head around. But anyway, but the word of God is the truth. There aren't, there is not a version of the truth. It is the truth. And the biggest challenge that Satan tried to pose mankind right from the beginning, you can read it in Genesis, is did God really say? So's a lie. That's what he does. He's a liar. And he will try to trick and deceive. God, he, he lied to them about who they were and he lied to them about who God was. God doesn't want you to have that knowledge. It will make you like him. Sort of misrepresented God and made them think they might be more than they were. And he lied to them and he deceived them and they bought it. There's a battle for the truth, but the word of God tells us who God is. The word of God tells us who we are. It gives us our identity, and we can only build our lives on the truth, and therefore God's word is the plumb line for our lives, and we build everything in line with that. The word of God brings direction to every decision that I make. It it brings direction to how I spend my time. It It gives instruction about what I should and shouldn't do, where I should or shouldn't go, who I should or shouldn't be with. It comes down to very practical things. The word of God is the truth. It never changes. Do you change? Do I change? Does the world around us shift and change? Yes. But who is unchanging? God. And his word is therefore unchanging. You know, maps change all the time because things get built, things get knocked down, new roads appear. Maps come and go. But a compass will always tell you due north. And you'll always be able to steer yourself from there. The word of God gives us due north. It's like a compass. It's not a map. It's not a cultural reference book. It's it's a book that always tells us the direction that we need to go in. Always true. Always accurate. Always gives us the lines that we need to follow. No matter where we are, no matter what time we're living in. And it's our final authority. Psalm 138.2 says, You've exalted your name and your word above all else. English Standard Version. We hold to the Bible as God's supreme word and nothing outranks it. God's aligned his reputation with his word. And the unbreakable nature of his word upholds even the universe. (laughs) The word of God upholds everything. The fact that the earth is spinning and rotating around the sun and every planet's in place and everything's being upheld, what? By his word. And therefore, the word of God is, is a final authority to things where we can bring things under subjection to that authority. It's a sword that enables us to overcome challenges and things that seek to oppose the word so the word of God is so important the bibles that we have in our hands the ones that we have on our bookshelves the ones that we carry in our bags such a precious precious gift to us let's not neglect the word let's know the word from start to finish even the minor prophets even Leviticus even Lamentations and not just the one bit we quote quote about plans All of it, every part of it reveals something of who God is, reveals to us who we are and will always help us and build us up and equip us and enable us to live the life that God has called us to live. It's vital. And we want to uphold the word in this church. We love this church. We want the church to come into everything that God has for it, into maturity and unity, to honor Jesus Christ. And and that can only happen when we live according to his word. We follow his word. So I have a question for you to discuss in your groups. We're going to spend, this, is, this will be our closing time. So 
You're going to just have a little chat in your group, and I'll ask for a little bit of feedback in closing, and that will be us done for the morning. Okay, so we're about 10 minutes. Uh, so if we could put the... Oh, there's already up. You guys are so efficient. Josh, Tim, Charlie. Describe the Bi- how the Bible has been a plumb line in your life. So this is talking about how the Bible has directed you, how it's guided you, how it's influenced your decisions and your choices. So try and be as practical as you can of saying, there are some things I did or I didn't do because this is what the Word said. So you might have to just think a bit about that. That's fine. And then the second question is to talk about the biggest challenges in your life where the Bible has helped you, where the Bible's encouraged you, where the Bible's enabled you to overcome. That's, that's the sword analogy, okay? So where it's been a plumb line, where it's been a sword. I don't mind which question you start with, whether you just talk about one, whether you talk about two, that's fine. The, whichever one you feel is most relevant to just chat about. So if you could get back into your wonderful little groups and I'll call things together in about six to seven minutes. That'd be great, thank you. Okay, wonderful. It won't be long and you'll be able to do this again uh, over coffee. The joy set before you. You know, it's, um, it's so important that we understand that we, mu- we must always look at culture from a biblical perspective rather than the Bible from a cultural perspective. That we always argue our theology down, never up. That we talk about God and who he is and how he works, not from our, always our experiences or our feelings, but actually what the word says, and then we work it out from there. And wherever there's a gap, that's a gap that we need to work to, 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 to fill, if you like. But God's word is perfect. And, you know, there are three things, I think, that define people. Where do I come from? Why am I here? And where are we going? They are questions that people are asking all the time related to their identity and what it's all about. The Bible answers all of those questions and so much more. So, okay, uh, if anybody wants to just wait, I'm going to ask Rich, Richard Pemberton's going to do a Robert Kilroy Silk. He's going to run around with the mic. Uh, that's, a, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Kilroy Silk. Um, <laughs> does anybody get the Kilroy Silk reference? Just, I know Chris, <laughs> the way Chris is uh, shaking there. Okay, anyway. Can you do a Brummy accent as well? That'd be great. If, uh, if anybody would just like to say something in response to this question, um, if anybody would just like to give a little wave and Richard will come to you, Robert will come to you. Oh, Robert, you've been nominated by me. Not by me, but by me. Um, this also for me, it was, it was the book of Job. And I always look to that book to kind of encourage me when things are going wrong or things are going bad because I think from what happened to him and he never cursed God, he mm. never went back or went on his word, he just kind of you know, continued to bless God in all circumstances. And I always look to that for me to encourage me to kind of say whatever thing's going wrong, yeah. I'll always you know, continue to bless God and say thank you despite all the things that are going wrong because God's good and he always will come through in the end so yeah wonderful know. that's great and I can never imagine Cindy telling you to curse God and die Rob to be honest uh. can, that's never going to happen yeah fantastic thank you that's brilliant anybody else want to um, Annie can we do it so that it's as far as possible from where Richard is so somebody in that corner I'll get my step counter <laughs> get, your, get your phone out 
Um, we talked about the, um, the word of God being living and active. Mm. And um, whenever you're in a situation in life, if you go to the word, the word will always challenge you. It will challenge your decisions or your choices. And we talked about practical things like, you know, holding unforgiveness or being worried. Right. And we all, you know, we can rattle off the scripture about, you know, do not be anxious about anything. Um, but when you read it and you think, actually, I'm allowing myself to be anxious about something. And the word says, instead, pray about everything. Yeah, great. And I think sometimes when you go to the word, whatever it's a small challenge or a big challenge God will always help you deal with that because the word of God um, is living and active fantastic so great so we've got a Job reference a Philippians reference anybody want to go by any, no, any apocryphal stuff no. uh, um, we were just talking about the fact that Basically, scripture helps you throughout your life. And, and I was talking about the fact that my grandmother gave me the verse in um, Proverbs when I was young about trusting in the Lord with all your heart and leaning not, lean not on your own understanding. And how that has been a guide for me throughout my life. Fantastic. But also, we were talking about the fact that scripture tells us to, to praise in all circumstances and how... In life, it's not um, it's not because we want to sometimes when things are going wrong. But if we follow the word of God and we do what it says and we praise God despite our circumstances, we were saying that on numerous occasions God lifts us out of our circumstances, and it's that obedience to the word that changes the situation, even when we don't feel like it. Great, wonderful. Couple more, if you've got any, to feeling brave and up for a. Steve. Yeah. Um, so I was talking about a specific time in my life um, where God gave me uh, Psalm 37, verse 4 Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will satisfy the desires of your heart. Um, yeah, there was, there was something that I wanted to do for God. I wasn't sure whether it was right. Um, and then. Um, I think somebody sent me the verse, and I just kind of read it out, and it was like it leapt out of the page. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it just became God's word to me at that time. Yeah, I want you to do this thing. This is the right direction for your life. Go for it. Fantastic. Excellent. Good. One more, or only if we've got something. If not, that's fine. All good? I'll say one quick thing then. For Go me, on then, Rich. Really, the... The Bible, you can read so many books off the shelf that are self-help guides. Yeah. And from a self-guide perspective, you kind of read them and it changes how you may think and it focuses on you changing things. And I think the thing about the Bible is you know that there's a person behind it. Mm. You know that there's somebody standing um, alongside you, that there's somebody inside you yeah. who's um, fighting for you, for, for you to succeed in yeah, every great. circumstance. So. Yeah. So for me, that's what I would say. It's not just a self-help book. No, that's right. It, there's a, somebody behind it. Yeah, if you want to agree with the Holy Spirit, read what he's already said. And uh, that'll be a really powerful combination. Carl, come on then. Cheeky bonus one. <laughs> Cheeky bonus. This is a real small one, but I think it's going to speak to some people in the room. Good. Um, I was wanting a girlfriend. Um, but I was praying and God revealed to me, said, this is the verse you seek ye first this, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Mm. And I knew that one of these things would be a girlfriend. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um, 
I got more than just a girlfriend, but the girlfriend I did get was Rachel, my wife. I think that's important. Yeah. If you're longing for something, head to the word, head to the kingdom, head yeah. to his righteousness. Yeah. Amen. Great. And they'll be added to you. Yeah, great. That was a press stand shaking together, running over blessing you got there as well, wasn't it, and Rachel? Yes, that's true. Wonderful. Um, we're we're going to be looking at, we'll be doing a similar thing over the next few weeks with different um, other areas as David has picked up around gatherings, around leadership, around stewardship, and around covenant as well, which wasn't mentioned in the video. And some of the things that we'll do and some of the teaching we'll deliver will come in the midweek message as a video form as well. So, so over the next two months, there should be about six sessions that we'll cover um, four in gatherings and two online as videos that we'll ask the groups to engage with or you can listen to at home as a podcast or, or watch the video. And our heart is that we'd encourage everybody to please listen to all of these things. And particularly if you're new to us as well, we'd love for you to, to listen, hear what we're about. And if questions arise over the coming weeks, please submit them. Please give them uh, into us so that we can di- directly address any questions that some of these sessions might throw up because we really want this to be useful and helpful so if you just want to email the church office or if you want to let us know directly myself or Rich or Chris or David doesn't matter or Mike and Will or or anyone really but as long as we get to hear them then we can address questions as they arise as well because we want it to be really practical and really helpful does that sound okay so thank you so much for engaging today really appreciate it Lord I thank you for your word and I thank you for your church Lord Thank you for one another. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we fellowship together now, as we talk and enjoy tea and coffee together, that you'd bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.